Blog Talk Radio. Michael Gordon, and that means you are tuned into the Mind Whisperer program on Blog Talk Radio. And on the program today, we are discussing narcissism. Very interesting topic, and we're going to get to that topic in just a moment. But I just want to welcome you to the program now, and if you're listening to the recorded version of the program, which you can find on blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Mind Whisperer, all of our programs are uh, archived for you to listen to, and we are also available on iTunes as a downloadable podcast. Please share the links with your friends. Uh, it helps the show grow, and every time that uh, somebody tweets about us or uh, joins the Facebook page or likes the Facebook page, I should say, um, which is also called the Mind Whisperer, not surprisingly. Uh, you help grow the program and, and reach our um, wider audience. Uh, so, once again, welcome to the program. And uh, my name is Michael Gordon. If you haven't tuned into the show before, uh, I am, uh, if you, you can see by my bio, a practicing uh, clinical psychotherapist in Vancouver, Canada. And I also teach uh, Aikido, which is a, an art that uh, really works on calmness of mind and body to help us in daily life. So this show is really about those kind of concerns and how we conduct ourselves and can live you know, better, more um, peaceful and productive lives, is a way of putting it. So what is narcissism? Uh, um, that's a term that's bandied about quite uh, liberally, and a lot of people will use it to describe um, character traits that, you know, are marked by selfishness or self-importance, etc. And that's not uh, incorrect. But, um, you know, I want to re- relate to narcissism more in the psychological sense, the psychiatric sense of what it means and where it comes from. So uh, uh, for those who have no understanding completely um, of where the term originates, uh, it comes from the Greek figure Narcissus, uh, who the myth... Uh, describes as having sat down by a pool of water and fallen in love with his own reflection. So he became so erotically attached to his own image that he died. He just was fixated on his own image and died. Um, So that's the prevailing popular idea that narcissism is this um, self-fixation, this love affair with the self, and it's really a kind of arrogance or, you know, um, inflated self-image. Well, that's that's egotism for sure. Um, but narcissism is describing something a little more complex when we look at it in the psychological sense and how it relates to interpersonal dynamics. So to understand this, um, we have to really look at, um, first of all, a better definition of what narcissism as a personality disorder characteristic or, or diagnosis is, and and then to work backwards and understand where this comes from and how, how it 
um, relate. So the first thing I want to say is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with a healthy amount of, of um, egotism. You know, the ego is not some organ in the brain. It's a concept by which we can identify um, our personality traits, the, the uniqueness that makes up ourself, our self-awareness, sort of a, um, a, an operating uh, set of instructions really um, from our personal history and a, sort of a defining overarching sense of self as we go through our life and what our preferences are, etc. So we need to have an ego and certainly positive characteristics like optimism and confidence and uh, sociability uh, and resilience all go with having a strong sense of self and um, an ego. And, and if you've listened to this program before or you look at what we're discussing uh, over the range of topics that uh, that have been on the program, and mindfulness is a very strong um, theme and uh, draw heavily on uh, Buddhist psychology, which is not to say ego is um, the root of all evil, but our fixation on... Um, our experience through the ego that the the world is basically uh, revolves around our ego desires or aversions is where we really go terribly wrong. So we have become, particularly in the in the west uh, of the world and the hemisphere, very um, habituated to this kind of relationship to the world through the filters of our own personal experience and uh, we miss out on a lot and cause a lot of suffering for ourselves and and um, we're led away from our, our more basic empathic nature. So that's sort of a starting point if you look at that. And people who have a very pronounced um, dysfunction, if, if you will, from the ego point of view and how it affects their personality have what's called a narcissistic personality disorder. So you don't have to be to have, a, have a, an NPD, so to speak, to have narcissistic traits. There, you know, it's a spectrum of uh, personality traits. But just to read to you from um, the uh, diagnostic um, manual, psychiatric manual, about um, the narcissism personality disorder, which is, you know, again, a very pervasive, uh, dominant, uh, and dysfunctional expression of this uh, type of narcissism. Uh, the symptoms are as follows. Reacting to criticism with anger, shame, or humiliation, taking advantage of others to reach their own goals, exaggerating their own importance, achievements, and talents, imagining unrealistic fantasies of success, beauty, power, intelligence, or romance, so that you can call that delusions of grandeur, requiring constant attention and positive reinforcement from others, becoming jealous easily, lacking empathy, becoming obsessed with self, pursuing mainly selfish goals, trouble keeping healthy relationships, becomes easily hurt and rejected, uh, setting unrealistic goals, wanting the, the best of everything all the time, um, appearing cold, aloof, unemotional. So these are the kind of traits that you see that are, if they are dominant traits, you can see how those things really push others away and, and make empathic uh, connections, whether they're intimate relationships or not, um, almost impossible. Um, so that's a very strongly pronounced version of narcissism. But, you know, we all know narcissists. You know, you just look on any website, news website, and, you know, celebrity gossip or, you know, the nature of being an entertainer and a celebrity of any kind, not just an entertainer, but a celebrity or somebody in the headlines, 
um, you know, car, kind of requires you to function narcissistically, that you have to be focused on yourself and what kind of image you have out there. And um, so we can look at other expressions of narcissism in our society. Studies now come out and say, you know, the, the most um, likely place that you will uh, spot a psychopathic individual, who's in a very extreme form of narcissism, is that they've lost all empathy for others and consequences of their actions. Uh, is a CEO of a corporation. That's the most likely job that you'll you, you know, where you'll find a psychopath in the um, broadly speaking um, in a position of uh, power, you know, at the top of an organization because they are there to, by nature, fulfill the depersonalized role of the corporation, which is to make money despite any consequences. Uh, feelings don't matter. Uh, the relationships don't matter where they don't affect profit and bottom line. So kind of, again, requires that person to be narcissistic on the part of a, a corporation, which is an impersonal uh, entity. Uh, but when it comes back down to interpersonal relationships, where this becomes a real problem is um, obviously where you want to have an uh, interrelationship with somebody, a family member, uh, a spouse, partner, whatever, uh, even in the dating process, somebody who's incapable of seeing things from the other person's point of view. And um, so how does this happen? Well, how do people end up as narcissists? Are they just inherently arrogant and selfish? And are they really in love with themselves? Well, no. In this definition of narcissism, it has nothing to do with a hyperinflated, genuine sense of self. That would be, you know, egotistical and, and, but, and highly confident and maybe a bit arrogant, but not necessarily narcissistic in this a pathological sense. So, interestingly enough, n narcissism as a disorder is defined by a lack of confidence in self. So what happens is that in normal upbringing, or I should say healthy, functional upbringing, we, um, from, from infancy to, let's say, about six to ten years of age, we are we are very strongly attached to our parents. In other words, we're dependent on them first of all to to physically and in, in, in a sensory capacity um, move through the world. I mean, when you're an infant, you don't even distinguish anything as being a separate object. You're just kind of an amoeba, amoeba, and you need to develop your senses through interaction with the world and your parents' voices and their touch, et cetera, et cetera. Then you start to distinguish. Uh, other people, and then you start to uh, habituate to those relationships in a healthy way because they're nurturing and they're all uh, defined by um, safety and nurturing and, and uh, consistency. Very important. So when you hear the lingo of attachment and attachment theory, it, it, it falls into two categories, essentially. One is Secure attachment would have just described, and then insecure attachment. So if there actually is abandonment, neglect, or abuse, or even perceived abandonment, and uh, the child um, feels that they are not um, loved and secure, and of course as a child you, you make these uh, uh, associations in a very, very limited way, because you're not operating with an adult mind. So you, your needs are very, very basic. You either feel loved and you feel um, that, you're, that you're being encouraged or you, there's a gap. And if there's a gap or even overt abuse or um, you know, dismissiveness, and that it, it gets wired in at the level of self-worth. And so this forms a very dangerous kind of 
time bomb or, or a virus, if you will. It's almost like an emotional virus that hits us in, in our early childhood and uh, distorts and our, our development uh, psychologically and emotionally and socially, our ability to form other relationships because we're operating from this distorted you know, lack of self-worth. And so the idea is, is that to compensate for this low self-worth and this damage to a normal development of self, we create this false persona. And that false persona can present in any number of ways, but in in terms of a narcissistic person, um, they present an image that they think will get them attention or that will sort of bolster their their really their wound inside uh, around their real self with a, a, an image that they present as a sort of a buffer or an insulation against um, feeling further hurt. And I've talked about this in the program previously with uh, the idea of vulnerability. Uh, where this creates a real problem because you move further and further away from vulnerability with the fear that um, if other people see that real self, they were going to relate to you from your wound and thereby uh, reject you. But ironically and uh, very tragically, um, when we remove ourselves from vulnerability as a trait and a, and a manner of relating to others and just be open and transparent and be loved to heal that wound, we end up um, being seen more for that wound because this false self is an, a, a false exterior. It's a mask. And people see through the mask. And we end up revealing our our um, broken relationship with ourself regardless. And we all know people like this. So this can manifest in a number of ways. It can be the class clown. It can be somebody who always, you know, what we call a drama junkie or a drama queen, um, people who need attention, um, people who are uh, obsessed with themselves and talk about themselves all the time and their goals and um, or even just require, you know, attention and conversation, um, any number of ways that they're deriving, trying to drive in a, in a very compulsive way, a pathological way, attention back to themselves, conversation, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there's some ways that this, you can see this, you know, there's some characteristics, you know, people use a lot of I statements, in their language, rather than inclusive statements, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we don't want to get too overblown with that because we talk about ourselves, and that's okay. Your personal experience is, your, is valid, and you're expressing your, your views and preferences. But where people become pre- completely preoccupied and are incapable of considering other people's feelings is where things become a real problem. So just to sum up, the, the, the origin of a, someone who becomes narcissistic is actually from the narcissism of parenting. So let me explain that. So the parent who is not putting their attention and scanning the child for signs of insecurity um, and making sure the child is having healthy attachment and social development because they're preoccupied or they're narcissistic in themselves or they're insecure, um, are wiring into that child's experience that they're not important. Now, this is really interesting because my view on it is that from the time we're young till we're about 19, 20, say we go out into the world, you know, into our careers or our own relationships and families or university or whatever, what may have you, um, we are essentially narcissistic little beings. You know, babies cry and they need your attention. It's all about them. So parents really, their our job in early life is to 
help this young, dependent, kind of narcissistic little being. Um, and I don't mean narcissist in the sense that they're consciously obsessed with themselves, but they're just they're so dependent that they become kind of narcissistic. So uh, the job of parents and teachers and, and caretakers, caregivers, is to uh, teach and create an environment where you know young people can learn to be empathic and considerate of others, and that there are other people out there and and inclusive and all these intolerant and all these other traits that go with an enlightened society. So you can see how disastrous this is if that gets interrupted, because essentially what you have is a child who hasn't grown up, who hasn't developed in a, in a healthy way, um, and they grow up to remain a narcissistic little being. You know, and we call it, we talk about the terrible twos and the, you know, the, what, I don't know what the term is for the three-year-olds, but uh, terrible twos, terrible threes, whatever it is, is that they're, they're, they're learning how to communicate and ask for things. And um, where parents are very challenged, of course, kids end up throwing tantrums because they're not encouraged to, to uh, learn how to identify and ask for what they need. So there, there we have a world now full of uh, essentially very cranky uh, three-year-olds running around not knowing how to communicate about, about their needs and feelings. So we go back to the extreme version of narcissism uh, of well, not extreme, but a very pronounced version of it as a disorder. And people can't even form proper relationships because they're not capable of meeting somebody else halfway and considering their feelings and, and, and being interdependent in a relationship. It's all about them, whether it's good or bad. So they're constantly vacillating between this wounded self and this idealized self. And this has been proposed as sort of a split in the, person, in the person's um, uh, healthy... Uh, development of personality that um, there's this for a normal person there's kind of a tension between who we are and we've kind of got some flaws and we don't feel 100% about ourselves but we get by and we have a reasonable self-esteem or self-worth and the person that we'd like to be we'd like to look you know more beautiful we'd like to have more money we'd like to be more popular whatever it is and so that tension can be motivational you know I'm going to work out more I'm going to uh, do more activities, I'm going to um, reach out more to my family, I'm going to develop my uh, myself, you know, culturally or in my knowledge. And uh, so for people who are narcissistic, that there's a schism there, and and they are split. They're not trying to integrate those two motivational aspects of, of accepting themselves and, and also trying to improve themselves. And so they, they develop this hyperinflated sense of themselves. Um which becomes grandiose, or but the grandiosity is based on actually a very, very low self-worth. So why is this important to understand? First of all, it's important to understand that if, you're, if we want to be compassionate and empathic people we, and, and to not get triggered by our narcissistic people in our lives and get drawn in by them because they can really draw you into their drama and their world, you have, it's important to understand where, you know, what the origins are of this disorder and that it really comes from insecurity. And essentially, because this person is battling this split in themselves, there's nothing you can really do except to model what wasn't there for them originally, which is, um, you know, you give them basic uh, compassion and uh, secure connection um, without enabling them in their insecurity, because that insecurity is compulsive. It's like an addiction. So, you know, you give them enough to let them know you love them and you care about them, um, but there's other people around. And you need to model that in your behavior and relationship with them. But ultimately, there's nothing you can really do for somebody 
um, who's in that unfortunate um, conundrum with themselves because they need treatment. They need to go back and confront their uh, their early attachment disorder and their their um, you know heal that that what, what's called a primal wound with themselves um, that their existence is somehow flawed or in question. And that's something that we all individually need to come to terms with. Now, the good news is that's available to anybody. So if you're not functioning from, or, or you know, not functioning from, uh, you know, healthily, if you're functioning from a dysfunctional, okay, I just wound myself into a corner there. But um, if you're operating in a, in a somewhat functional capacity, meditation, for example, is something you can use to... Uh, Parent your, reparent yourself in a sense that you are creating that sort of secure attachment with yourself in the world by just bearing witness and making space in a friendly way towards your own wounds. Just by observing how awful it is to sit with your own mind, but really it's just something that, that uh, was set in motion as confusion early on in your conditioning. For some people, they're, they're so far away from any capacity to really um, do that because they're really protecting against this, this primal fear that they uh, are flawed right down to the core. They require therapy and treatment. Well, it's quite a uh, detailed uh, and at the same time very broad approach to the subject, but I hope it gives you some insight into what's going on with narcissistic people. Maybe to look at your own background in your childhood and say, if you have insecurities and sometimes you find yourself living a secret internal life of shame or self-doubt, meanwhile putting on a happy-go-lucky exterior to the world and even maybe a little bit overconfident or sometimes a little overinflated, uh, selfish, you know, arrogant or, you know, over-sarcastic um, personality, that there may have been a narcissism in, in your early childhood with your parents, that they were not quite giving you the full attention that you needed and it created this doubt and insecurity. And if there are people in your life, perhaps even very close to you in your family or your spouse, who have these tendencies, you have a bit more understanding that it really comes from um, a very deep uh, psychological and emotional wound. And um, to have some empathy and understanding that they're not motivated to personally attack you. It's just the way that they are kind of uh, rambling around in the world trying to protect against this... this uh, intolerable uh, fear and shame that they don't deserve to exist. It's very, very powerful. And I'll talk more and more in the, as the programs uh, go forward in the future about the implications of this. And we see this in political life. Our politicians can be very narcissistic and uh, driven by their own careers and their own advancement and, and how much corporations dominate the world. So there's a very profound effects for this trait, and you know, and to go unchecked you know, as a kind of a pathological uh, uh, personality trait, and the implications it has for our public institutions, our and uh, the values of our society, and the way that we um, compete with one another. Well, as always, it's been a pleasure to uh, host the program this morning. Uh, if you'd like to go back and listen again. There's a lot of information that's coming across here. I, I, my endeavor is always to bring the, the, to bear my, you know, all my experience and knowledge base and research uh, on these topics in a way that's practical and accessible. So you can listen to the archive program 
And if you have any suggestions on uh, future topics, guests on the program, last week we had a fantastic guest. Uh, we were looking at some of these um, aspects of how we're shaped by our personalities and, and our early life and how it uh, manifests later in life. And in fact, we were talking about celebrities. We were talking uh, with David Meyer, author of uh, a book on Graham Parsons, the famous um, country rock pioneer, and uh, and an upcoming book on the Bee Gees and talking, you know, contrasting their stories and their um, struggles, personal struggles and public struggles. Uh, so that show is available from last week. I really encourage you to go. It's a really quite an exclusive interview with somebody who's very uniquely um, positioned to comment on those very uh, contrasting artists. Uh, so uh, we look forward to having you on the program in the future, hearing from you on Facebook and on Twitter, and uh, your suggestions, your feedback. Um, join us, help us grow the program, help us bring the program possibly to your area. I'd love to bring the show on the road and podcast from your town and can also deliver a program or a, a seminar workshop a talk in your area at the same time my name is michael gordon this is the mind whisperer on blog talk radio have a great day and be well Suffering blows Was it necessary pain? When you said love I thought forever When you said stay I thought together When you said baby I was your new lover Now there's no other I'm set free Am I set free?